welcome back. This is part two of ABA programs, consultants, and supervisors. Yeah, which brings yeah. us to how do you find a consultant? Exactly. How do you do it? How can we do it? It's so many options on the internet and so many things. And yeah. we are here to tell you how. We know how. We'll tell we, you. We love a yeah. how. Um, so the the one way we can definitely tell you how to find someone is on the BACB website. Yeah. Because when you become board certified, you have to register. Well, you don't have to, but it's encouraged to register um, oh, with their website. It's obviously changing all over the... I don't know. I feel like some people might not. Yeah, well, you have to do your, your um, CEUs and stuff through it. So, yeah. I think... Um, you can opt out for certain things, like for people not to find you oh. and things. Um, so, uh, like in terms of you know supervision and things, you can opt out. Oh, of that. but because when I because sometimes when I go to the registry, it always says who's active, who's not active. That's why I thought everyone would be there, regardless mm. if they're practicing or not. Potentially, I could be completely wrong. Um, but basically, you could. When you go onto the website, they've got a little tab. It's on the, I think it's in the far right that says "Find a certificate." Uh, I can't say that word now. Certificate. I think is it that changed right? now. Um, is now I think oh. it's on the top. So when you open it, uh, it says "Find a certif a certificate." I've written. Yeah. It's a little grey tab. I hadn't written down here. I don't know blue. where it's gone, but I was pretty sure I'd written down for us. I go onto that one quite frequently, and that's the last thing I remember. So there is, oh, it's it's yellow. It might be like mustardy yellow, but it's there. It's got a little tab, and you can click on there and see. Uh, yeah, it's area. mustard. Yes, yeah, on the left. So as soon as you yeah. open the website on the top, like not top top, but like there's like a picture with books, and there's a little mustard yellow tab that says "Find a certificate." Yeah, and that's what you press. Yeah, and it, you can search by area, your area. Yeah. Um, there's also different... In any country. Exactly. I, I searched for the local South African people because I wanted to know who's in the community here. Um, there's also um, different Facebook groups. You know, in the UK, we have the ABA Autism Therapists and Families group. There's also the ABA slash tutors. I'm sorry, ABA tutors slash parents. There's also ABA for all. But you can also just Google. I Google also, like, where to find ABA professionals. Um you know, and through other people you know, the community, once you know someone in the community, you'll know a few people in the community. Um, so I would say ask other people, you know, um, parents and families of um, children. And, you know, of course, I think you want to talk about vetting people, hey, Carla? You can, do you want to chat about that? Oh, well, I can, I can. And I, I think we've been mentioning this um, throughout the episode. But it, it, I just want to say, it is not offensive to request evidence of qualifications and I know that some people when they become self-employed they assume I am just going to say I do this like another it is not a problem to ask us I need to see your certificate I need I need to know who you super like it is not offensive it's normal to verify someone's qualifications like any other job so it's really important, and this, you know what, this actually flares me up a bit, sorry, because I do say to parents, before you hire someone, do a do an interview with them and see how they get on with your child, and maybe have your consultant or your supervisor in so they can observe and advise you because they will know, but when you're trying to find a consultant, before you know, before you have that person who knows, you know, ask them who they supervise with, ask them to see a copy of their qualification um 
ask other parents if you're in groups or stuff uh maybe don't do it so obviously because then that can be a bit rude but you can try to find other people who if you know like if you if you got recommended to another parent that tells you a lot if a parent rec another parent recommends you that person that consultant it means they trust them uh but if you want to know more about that consultant you can go to this if you have a private parent whatsapp group for example which we know some parents do and you can say has anyone worked with this consultant would you recommend them to me and that's okay unless you also want references you can say can you please give me two references of families you've worked for and you can contact those families with you know permission everything everyone gives the consent and etc um, it is really important to know who is working for you uh, and what they can do it again it is not offensive to check people's credentials it is not offensive yeah and can i just say i've offered to to like when i've got recommended so i had this uh, tell call i've been very fortunate to have a like jobs come towards me like people coming to find me um and i used to be like oh did you want to see my cv and my qualifications they're like no that's fine and i've actually sent it anyway so yeah i do think it's a two-way yeah. street where people are very willing to accept um things but also as people who are applying for jobs, we should also be good about being like, no, actually, I do want to send it to you. I do want you to see um, things. So, yeah, I, I, it's, yeah, it's I, both I ways. Did. Yeah. When I became a freelancer, like, three three years ago, I have, a, you know, I like my folders and my binders, and I had this little portfolio with polyester pockets, and I had all my, you know, qualifications and evaluations done just to show people, look, this is all the experience I have. I want you to see, like, you're not just taking a big leap of faith. I actually have evidence that I can do this. Because uh, I think it just makes everyone more comfortable knowing, you know, where you stand. And, yeah, I, sorry, again, I just want to say it saves time. So you don't have to talk about all the things that you've done. You can just Someone can just read it in their own time. Because sometimes they want to ask you loads of questions. Like, yeah, but... You know, this is all covered in the CV and the stuff. So let's, you know, if you want to ask me further yeah. questions, absolutely. But also this could save yeah. a lot of our our talking time, which you're paying for. Exactly. Talking about more relevant things. So, yeah. yeah. W which actually brings us to the one of the final topics. Yeah. Which, can I please start it? Because it's, please do. it's something that I want. It's the most awkward topic that everyone has problems talking about, which is how much will it cost how much is it fair to charge? How much are you paying? And what should you be paying for? And this topic, it's quite hot. Um, because people always feel very uncomfortable discussing money and feel very awkward discussing money. And we do as well. I do. But we thought it would be really important to discuss this. So we, Lauren and I have more experience working in the UK. And what is fair to charge varies greatly. So we are just going to talk about what we deem fair and what we've done. And I'll start with mine. I I haven't finished my qualification. It's nearly there. You know, I'm sitting for my exam. But as a consultant, currently, I charge £40 an hour. And I think that's quite fair, considering I haven't finished my certification. And considering I've been doing this um, for nearly six years. Some people that are in the same position as me, as me or have been 
will probably say I should charge more. And some parents might want me to charge less. This is the price I've decided to do for myself, which might increase once I get my qualification. I might decide, you know, I've done my qualification, I think I deserve to earn more, and I might change my price a bit, but that's the price I'm currently charging. And I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad, or, you know, Lauren doesn't have to say hers if she doesn't want to, that's my choice. I'm just saying this because this is what I'm at, and there's no regulation in our field about costs. Some consultants will charge £100 an hour, and others will charge £90. We've heard of supervisors, supervisors or people without the actual qualification yet, charging 80 an hour. So it will depend a lot on each person and it will depend on what you can afford and what you think is fair and the area you live. Because in, in central London, there's lots of consultants. So, and I think it's quite funny, like in, in central London, there's lots of consultants. Therefore, I thought the price should be lower because there's so much competition, but it's not actually. In Central, it's usually more expensive. The consultants charge more because I think they can. And and we've heard stories of people who charge so much, but then don't provide the same quality of work as others. So it's that's why it's so important that... When you get a consultant, you need to discuss prices, you need to know exactly what they'll be doing and if they do it. And if the price they're charging doesn't match the services you got promised, then you can just discontinue and find someone else who will maybe fulfill that role. But don't. But also don't be too demanding. If the person is doing all the work, then you can't be turn, turning around and say, oh, actually, you're not doing the work when they are. So you do need it. It's 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 a case by case occurrence, if that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think? And I think also. Yeah, I think also that um, you know there is a lot of expertise that is being offered. I think that's another thing that you know, and we I've spoken about this before, and I'm sure you have too, Carla. Is that people think that we play with kids with autism? That's what they think we do. <laughs> and yeah. when they realise how much is actually going on and how much expertise is actually involved in just getting a kid to ask for one thing, um, is is undervalued because people don't really understand. And I remember I read a lot of stuff. So when I was studying for my BCBA exam, I read a lot about like, what do you do when you become board certified and da, 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 da. And a lot of it was like, okay, so you're going to charge more and da, 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 da. Because there's a lot of cost that is incurred by just studying and yeah. getting supervision. So as much yeah. as we are, you know, doing our jobs, we are also paying other people per hour, should I add, of supervision that we have to get and for the exam, yeah. and just to, okay, now I don't know if it's as relevant anymore, but to pay for your documents just to get to America is a small fortune in itself, and to apply, yeah. just to apply for the exam. Um, and also, because you're studying, and studying is really important, because the exam is so expensive and very stressful, that you don't want to write it more than once. So, <laughs> you try to go, okay, I'm going to get it on the first time. I'm really going to try and get it on the first time. So you do less work because you're studying more. So there's a lot of costs that are incurred just in that little bracket. And I remember reading about that and going, actually, yeah, that's actually really relevant to consider. That is true. And I, and I could charge more. And I might charge more in the future. At the mm. moment, I'm not. But it's, 
I think, yeah, that we need to consider all of that. And it's not really nice when you, you give a price and people say, oh, that's not, uh, maybe should pay you less when you actually uh, are already charging a good price. Yeah. And I've had people in my life telling me that if you ch if you don't charge enough, people might think you're not qualified enough. And I think, yes, that's true. Sometimes people think, oh, they're so much more cheaper. Maybe they're not as good. Mm. But it's not true. I personally, and I'm talking about my work ethic, I'm quite thorough and I like to have things well done. And sometimes, you know, I could accept lots of clients and I don't because if you have too much going on, you then cannot do things properly. And that's in the ethics code that we follow. We, we can't take on more work than what's available. And I've heard of cases where people accepted clients and then they're just not doing the work or not showing up for meetings. And yep. you isn't it? You can't be doing... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You cannot be doing that. It's not fair on the person, on the client. It's not fair on the parents. It's not fair on anyone. Yeah. And there's enough consultants out there. So if you go on the registry and you can find all the consultants in your area, you don't need to settle for the first person. Mm. You can interview. You can ask about prices. You can see... What is reasonable and are, what kind of work are they... It is, we do a lot of work. A BCBA, a consultant, even a supervisor, we all do a lot of work. But it also needs to be fair and within your budget, yeah. I would say. And and it is expensive. ABA is expensive. That's the truth. Because it's specialized. And and very human resource heavy. We can't do it without people. So you have to be paying for... Mm -hmm. Essentially paying for labor. You're paying for someone to be there to do the thing. And you're paying for those people to yeah. train that person in order to be able to implement that thing. So it is. It, it, and it's very specialized. It is incredibly specialized. I, I yeah. take great offense when people are like, I don't want to pay for that. But when it comes to occupational therapists and speech and language therapists, that there's no question about how much can be paid, you know. And uh, sure. you know, and, and I'm not picking on them particularly, but they're the people that are in our field that also are specialists and very specialized in their fields. And, um, you know, I think also I, I worked very, very hard for my qualification. I spent, yeah. what, five, six years studying just to get to this point. Working, yeah. also full-time working the entire time. So this is all part-time also on top of that. Um, so it, it, is, it, it took me a long time and it took me a lot of experience. So I have, you know, let's say 12 years of experience and six of those were spent studying this and, and, you know, adding in the theory on top of my experience. So, yeah, I do think that it is worth it because, and, and to be fair, we see results very quickly, as we mentioned before. Mm. I, I mentioned a kid, and I'll do this one example, who had um, a, someone working with them, another professional, I won't say what professional it was, and the child had lots of language but didn't use it functionally. They had an ABA tutor come in, a tutor with no other people involved, come in for a week and he started requesting or mandating. Within a week, he started just going, I want to do this and whatever, because it just drew it out of him. So, yeah, there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes, and I do think that people need to consider that and be aware of that. So I do take great pleasure in telling how much time I've spent studying <laughs> and still have to, even though I'm board certified, I've spent a lot of money on training myself and keeping in, on top of stuff in the field. So it never ends, really. So, yeah, so when we when people decide their, their pay and they get you the, the pay, you can take it or not, and you can question it. You can ask what, okay, what am I getting? Because it's normal to ask, what am I receiving for the service that I'm paying? And that's quite normal. 
Uh, Very. But there's... Yeah, but that's there are ways of doing it. And there's also then the thing of... And this is a big debate between consultants, Huge tutors. Debate. This is a big... Ding, ding, ding. What should parents or employers pay for? And we're talking about, should you pay for transport, parking, petrol, food, admin time? So these are a lot of things. And let's start, let's do one by one, like transport. Let's start simple. Should you be paying for your tutor or your supervisor's or your consultant's transport? Answer, it depends. Sorry, it depends. Like Lauren has had to do commutes. There were what you did, and me as well, there were like three or four hours of commuting for two hours of work. Yeah, so for the three hours work, there'd be three hours of travel. So essentially for six hours, I was being paid for three of them. I've had that. I've had where I was traveling two hours each way for two hour uh, sessions. So there was four hours commuting. So essentially what I would be paid would be, at the time as a tutor, I was charging 25 an hour. So let's say I would get fifty pounds for the whole session, but then I would act considering the commute, it would be six hours. And I know people don't get paid for the commute. They, usually you don't. Uh, but in that instance, that parent was paying me, I think was a quarter of my travels just to help me out. And I think that's quite nice. But in normal jobs, when you take a, a, a when you take employment, they don't pay for your commute. They really don't. So then I did the choice of, I decided I'm not going to be working if it takes me over an hour or maybe an hour, 15 minutes of commute because otherwise it's not worth it. And that's how I decided not. I decided not to charge commute if the commute was only up to one hour, 15 minutes one way. Yeah, I never so, But that was my decision. Yeah, yeah. I, never, I never got paid for travel time and I never got compensated for travel time. I got paid that one time because it was so far, and it's... The thing oh, is, I if, wish. If you, I mean, I'm not saying, I, you know, I didn't want yeah. that. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, when you travel so far, it's normal to have a bit of help, because you're... Tr because, to be honest, I'm sorry, but it's six hours for 50 pounds. That's less than, that's what, nine pounds more or less, or less than nine pounds an hour I would be making, when I could be working locally and get more money for my time. Yeah. Uh so in that instance, the parents helped me out a bit, which was very kind. Um, but then if I did, I made the decision of working closer to my area because then I don't have to charge parents for commute and it's not a big time out of for me. And when people say, and, I, and I'm going to say this and maybe I'll regret it, but I'm, I think it's a bit entitled to say we should be paid for transport. Because there's, each case is different. Yeah. It sh I don't think it should be a, a basic rule of pay my transport. No, it can be discussed depending on the distance, on uh, if they can find another professional or not, etc. Like lots of factors go into this decision. It can't just be, I'm a, I'm a tutor, I'm a consultant, you must pay me transport. That's my view of things. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's, it's a difficult topic. And, you know, if, if the demand wasn't so high for trained professionals and commute times could be lessened by more efficient transport, then maybe this wouldn't be a discussion. But ultimately, yeah. you know, sometimes when you're starting off as a freelancer, you've got to take what you can get. And if that's far yeah. away, it's unfortunate. Um, I've also, you know, I did things for families because I wanted to help them. And then I realized it wasn't actually that possible to survive on the amount of money I was receiving for the amount of time I was actually working. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I 
lessened my sessions. So I was like, well, I can only do like this many because the commute is too far. And it was, it's also exhausting. You know, I was doing um, like after work hours whilst I was working during the day. So I do an entire day's worth of work and then I would go to tutor in the evening. So I'd get home at 9.30 at night. I'd leave the home at seven o'clock in the morning. So it was insane hours. Um, And I also, then I I wasn't very good when I got to tutor there because I was like, after hours, I've already done an entire day's worth of work. So you're not getting the best quality you could be getting. And so I exactly. you know, I made the, the judgment to be like, listen, guys, let's find someone else who I can train that's local to you so that, you know, we don't have to worry about this. It doesn't have to become. And also then I'm less likely to want to go because it was just so far and I was so exhausted. Yeah. Um, and public transport's uncomfortable and unpleasant. It so, is. You know. and, that, and I did the, made the decision of a few months after being self-employed, I decided... I'm because I want to work more locally. I'm going to get a car so I can save time on commutes and so I can bring all the resources I need and everything. Um so I made it not it is not the right decision for everyone. For me it was I I got a car um so I could move around between I could sometimes see three clients in a day instead of two, which was great for me because it was extra money, but then I wouldn't be too tired because I would be driving and not having to carry things around, etc., especially with my back. And then it goes to the question of, should you charge parking or petrol? Well, again, it depends. Um, I know in some professions, people charge for petrol or mileage they do they use. I don't, because, again, that was my choice of transportation. I chose to have a car. I chose to have that expense, Uh and regards to parking, again, it depends if you have to go during times where parking is more expensive. Because in London, especially in Central, there are some areas you don't pay parking, others you do. Some areas are more expensive with parking, yeah, others are it's, less. It's extortion. Yeah, it is. And you need to take that into account. And the times, if, for example, if you say to a client, look, I can come at this time, and also the, the parking is cheaper or free at that time. And they say, well, no, you can't. It can only be this time then I would say there's a little wiggle space to say, well, then can you help me with parking? Because I could be paying zero for parking and I'm going to be paying for parking and because of conflict schedule. So you can always try, can you help me out with parking? Or maybe they can. They would offer to pay the whole parking. Again, it depends on the situation, but I usually, as a rule, I don't charge parking unless, for example, there's a school I used to go to and the parking was, again, like Lauren said, extortion. And if I had to stay there for a long time because they required my assistance, then the parents would help me with parking. Not the full amount, but they would help me. Again, talk to the parents. Um, as well, food. Food's a question. Should they pay me for the food? Depends. You can, realistically, you can potentially bring a packed lunch. Yeah. Because that's what you do in other jobs. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think the food one is weird. Like... Yeah, I just think that's weird, and yeah, I would never expect someone to pay me and pay me and then feed me. I don't know, I just just don't. Yeah, but Sometimes I'm also quite people a fussy do. eater, so <laughs> maybe I'm not a good example. And then with admin time, it's a big thing that comes up. Should should you pay for admin time? Again, it depends because we do spend a lot of time preparing resources, a lot of time, and targets. I don't charge, I don't fully charge for admin time. I charge parts of admin time. But beforehand, I say to parents, look, I do spend 
quite a bit of time preparing this. Can I charge part of it? And I usually charge, I think, a third of the admin time I spend. But it's mostly because I'm such a control freak that I want everything, like, matching up. And, like, I'm very... I need everything to match up and be correct and be thorough. And some things, maybe, I wouldn't. Ha I didn't need to spend that much time on. That's why I do a third of the ad. I charge for the of the admin time. But again, that depends on each consultant's preference because there is a lot of work that yeah. go in the backstage work, isn't it? Yeah. We we think, we read, we write, we revise, we analyze. It's yeah. It's hard work, man. And I think also, you know, admin time is debatable on how, how much admin there is and also on how much, mm. you know, maintaining um, admin levels is. And also, yeah. if, if your rate is a certain amount, you know, like it's a lot and you don't have to pay for transport or parking or petrol or food or admin time, then maybe it's better to be all-inclusive, you know. Um, yeah. Some people charge yeah. more because, because of their commute time and the fact that they um, – they don't get paid for the, the the time that they are commuting. So they're like, okay, so I'm not getting paid, so I need to cover some of the time that I could be spending yeah. working. So, yeah, so I think it's also it's very person-to-person um, -person dependent and whatever works for you and works for, yeah. for your clients. And I think, you know... And also, we don't get... Yeah. I was going to say, we don't. We have to be the ones to pay for our own insurance yeah. and pay for our own uh, health benefits or whatever and, and putting money aside for pensions so hence why freelancing is a bit more expensive because yeah. when we are making our prices we need to take into account all these little things in exactly. the background that with a normal job you'd get yeah and with just, freelancing you don't of, it's just part of the package yeah i think that's it also like when when i worked in an organization admin time was never questioned you know you just spend a lot of time doing a lot of admin and a lot of um, paperwork but when you are, you know, have to use your time effectively, then there's a lot more admin. You're like, wow, I spent like five hours on admin today, which is five hours I could spend actually doing real work, training or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's just, it has to be, it's all relative um, and something that needs to be considered. And as Carla mentioned, like, just be open. Let's talk about stuff. Let's talk about what would be reasonable. And if you were in my position, would you find this reasonable? Um, I think when yeah. you humanize things and tell people clearly about your um, situation, people are a lot more willing to listen. And I think we all need to be better at that yeah. as we move forward. And we will talk about finances again in the tutor episode because we've had these are our experience as consultants and supervisors. We will then talk th about this again when we discuss tutor rates and etc. in future episodes. But yeah, case by case, it depends what's reasonable and what's acceptable for each person. And that also ties, again, we're so good at tying things in that we're going to move on to ethics. Because this is all about what's right and what's wrong. Woohoo, ethics. And we mentioned in the last episode, and in case you haven't heard it, it's called ABA Programs, yay or nay. And we discussed the ethics code on the second part of the episode. And when talking, when taking on clients, the BCBA, the cons uh, hashtag, or aka consultant, and the employer should always be familiar with Section 2 of the Ethics Code, which is about the behavior analyst's responsibility towards clients. So if you go on the website again, the BACB website, and go on the Ethics section, and they have the Ethics Compliance Code, it's really important to know, for both sides to know, what, what is expected 
when accepting clients. It's the assessments, is the the rights of the clients, is the responsibility, is the amount of time you have to dispense for that person. It's yeah. It 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 is good to know about these things. Yeah, and it's in fact it's you can download it as a PDF document, so you can save it and keep yeah. it and reread. I read it reread it all the time because I. As much as the brain is full of other knowledge, it's something that you need to just recheck all the time and just be mindful of um, because there is a lot of information in there. But, you know, we have a rough idea, but you, sometimes you just be like, oh, I, I forgot about that. And I just reread it to, to make sure that I'm doing the right thing as a BCBA and being responsible. So, yeah, just because, you know, of, of the topic or the, the sort of the, yeah, the topic of this podcast, you thought we'd talk a little bit about becoming a BCBA. So you can have a look at the BACB.com website. They have all the information on how to become a BCBA. But I will tell you that the, the website is quite hard to navigate. Um, I adore them for all the information and things, but I found it really hard and I've only just really got good at it. So yeah, there's sort of three paths you can take and they've created a BCBA handbook. And has all the information. So you can go to the website and turn to the home page. You'll see that there's four sections, okay? I think they're little tabs. So there's one for the RBT. There's one for the BCABA. The one for the BCBA. And then the one for the BCBA-D. So that's the doctorate one. And if you just click under the BC the BCBA one, you can say, you know, it says like learn more or something to that effect. And the handbook is the first document that appears. So, you know, we, Carla and I both did our masters online. Um, Carla did hers, you know, they're all in the UK, but distant from where we were living in the UK. Yeah. Um, and we used to travel occasionally for, um, I'd only did exams and for my thesis presentation. Um, and I think I visited the campus once. But yeah, you know, Carla used to go for some lectures um, and things and exams and whatnot. So, you know, now that the pandemic's happened or that is still happening, everything's online. So, you know, you can study in America, you can study in on the UK, you can study wherever you want. It's obviously expensive yeah. um, if you're not earning that um, currency. Um, but also, yeah. you know, it's expensive for anybody. But, yeah, that's the kind of information that you can find on there. It'd be quite um, important. To and, and it takes time, it takes dedication, uh, and it takes motivation let's say all the Asians because it's you need to you need to like it you need to want it um and it is not a short process nope it it is not and especially if you're self-funding it can even take longer because saving money paying for supervision it can take a bit of time so make sure if you're interested go for it we fully support you Lauren's doing her CEUs. If you go, if you call, if you email us, she might potentially be able to supervise you. Yeah, I've had someone I'm, contact I'm offering me. Her I'm like, okay. <laughs> on the registry, like we mentioned before. Oh yes. They they do say who which supervisors are, which consultants can do supervision. Actually, Lauren's on the registry. I am. <laughs> I went to look her up. Yeah, she's there. I know. Anyway, um, I'm hopefully hopefully I'll be soon as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you want do you want to finish off, Carla, with your end thoughts? Oh uh, yes. Um, well, we just wanted to give you an insight into what being a consultant or a supervisor really is, and hopefully, you this information is helpful for you when you're trying to set up a program, when you're trying to find a consultant, when you're choosing a consultant. And 
and also the financial part for me was really important to talk about because it is a big debate and there's no legislation for it, no regulation. Um, and uh, yeah, we just we just wanted you to leave more informed about what a consultant and a supervisor do and what they are, because it is it is hard sometimes for us to communicate effectively to people what it what is it that we do. Yeah. So those the, those are my end thoughts. Yeah. What what are yours? I you know I just wanted to say like reiterate some of the things you've really said that it's you know it isn't an easy road and it's not quick, okay. As in terms of a qualification, it takes years and it takes dedication and persistence. Um, and the field I think in a way has come a long way in terms of ensuring qualified people are sort of equipped to be successful and to successfully improve clients' lives or situations. I think that we've come a very, very long way. Um, and also because of the nature of the people we work with and the fact that they can be very vulnerable, you know, we need to equate that with how much effort and time we put in and how much thought goes into it. Um, we're investing in skills and young people to be more successful and to be as independent as possible. So, yeah, I think that it's, you know, it's important to just consider all those things and know that we don't we don't like to brag about this stuff. We don't like to talk about it. But it is very important that people know how much time and effort and ex expense goes into just doing this job that people think is just playing with kids. So, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it is offensive. So don't say that to us. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, think of other yeah, ways to say that to us, you know. Exactly. We're not offended for you to ask about our qualifications. We do get offended when our work gets put down that for us a bit. Can you please not? Because we worked really hard. And yeah. It's not nice. Yeah. And we, what about if I went to your job and said, you don't deserve to make this amount of money? Exactly. And also, we, I mean, I can speak on behalf of Carla and I, not many others, because you know, I don't want to mention their names, but we actually care about what we do and we like mm. to do well at things and not only for ourselves, but mostly for the families and essentially, and like at the, at the center of that is for the clients we, we support. So that's why we like to do well because we want to see them being successful. Um, so it, let me just say this. If you are trying to do this field to, um, for yourself, you're not on the right field it's um it's mostly not about you <laughs> ever um it's about the people that we are helping so if that's the kind of person you are then this is the right job for you so yeah well we have just a couple of suggestions before we finish off um there's a book called ethics for applied behavior analysts by bailey and birch which is something i started reading at university and i quite like it yeah it's very i good. remember i used to yeah, when I used to work for that organization Lauren I worked for, and I used to commute, I used the train, it was a train travel, and I was always reading, like, I was on the train reading, I would be walking and reading, because it was, I really loved that book, you can find it on Amazon, abooks.co.uk, also, Understanding Applied Behavior Analysis by Albert J. Kearney, and if you're new to ABA, this book is really good for terminology, we discussed it in our first episode of The Hood Chronicles, that came out last week sorry because we're recording on the same week it came out i know it's confusing yeah 
Okay, cool. And also, please, if you want to contact us, contact us on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. That's our, obviously our email address. And our website, which is abaowls.com. Um, our next workshops are obviously online. Um, that They will be happening on Tuesday at 11.15 a.m. UK time. So anyone can join us. doesn't matter where you are in the world. And our next workshop is this month is on the 23rd of February. That's the topic of alternative behaviors and the 23rd of March. And that's the function of behavior, which is tangibles or access to items or activities. So please let us know if you want to join us. We'd love to have you. Yeah, our next podcast will be next month on the 1st of March. Please feel free to email or message us on Instagram at ABA underscore owls. If you have a particular topic you'd like us to address, also... Big, big thank you again to people who are listening. We are getting more known. We have listeners in Mexico. What's up, Mexico? Wow. I was really excited about that. Like, we had, we have the American listeners, Canadian, uh, UK, obviously, some people in Spain. And some, some people in Australia. Australia. Yeah. Yeah, Aussies. What's up, Barb? <laughs> yeah. Well, they, their accent's probably up, the everyone? most similar to mine. So, they maybe, maybe they can yeah. understand me. Everyone can understand you. <laughs> Stop it. We also have some people in... Well, the only person I think in Portugal that listens is my sister. Oh, bless <laughs> Hiya. You. I know. And we had... Yeah, at some point... I don't know. I don't know if she wants us to say her name. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Thank you, Carla's sister. I might sister. remove that. <laughs> and what else? We had, we had someone in the equator. In equator. At some point. Um... Am I forgetting some? No, I think I said all the places where people are listening. Yeah. Anyway, we're very grateful. Hi, all. Thank you. And if you like us, please rate, like, subscribe to us on Chirping with ABA Owls on iTunes and on Instagram and Facebook. And thank you very much. Thanks, and see you soon. Bye. Bye.